Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. How's everyone doing this morning? Amen. Someone say, I'm blessed. There we go. Receive that blessing. Take that blessing. It's yours. You just got to ask for it. But amen, guys. I am so honored to, hear, to be here this morning to bring the word. Um, I know God always meets me in the times where I, I bring these words. Um, and I was sharing this earlier as we're getting ready to uh, pray for, uh, for service and pray for everything go um, just God's way that... I believe the best messages you put together are the ones that minister to you first. And I know this is a one that has definitely ministered to me in this season of my life. And uh, I'm hoping that it ministers to you as well. Uh, so with that being said here, uh, let's first go ahead and bring God's presence here. God's presence is already here, but we want to move especially in this moment here. Uh, we want God to do what he wants to do. Not what I want to do, not what Priest Chapel wants to do, but we want to do what the Lord is. This is his house. It's never our... It's never ours, even though our name's on the lease, it's always going to be in God's name. So let's go ahead and pray for today's service. So, Father, we come to you. We thank you so much for what you've done already in this service, Lord. We thank you for moving within our worship, Father God, moving in our offering, Father God. We thank you for what you're doing, not only in this city of Las Vegas, Father, but what you're doing around the country and around the world, Father, with our missionaries, Lord. I ask, Father God, for this time that we have set apart, Lord, let us, Father God, come with these scales removed from our eyes, move through our hearts, Father God, and just minister the way that only you can, Father God. So I ask, Father God, let everything I say be pleasing to you, Lord. Let it honor you, Father God, and let it set the place for you, Father God, to move and operate, Lord. I ask, Father God, that you be with us in this time, this moment, this hour, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God some praise. Uh, before I get started with the word here, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, give uh, honor to my wife, Desiree. Um, I tell you, she is a gem. I'm sure many of you know that already, especially the ladies. And so uh, ladies love her, children love her, cats even love her. Everyone loves Desiree. She, she draws all onto her. She's the cat whisperer, the children whisperer. They, they all just flock to her. But I am so blessed for my, with my wife uh, just throughout this process. What she said is accurate. Um, I am uh, my, my dad's son where I like to be perfectionist. I like to make sure I get all my T's crossed and everything is sound doctrine. And um, she's the one that I can wrap up, wrap to and just uh, make sure like, hey, is this makes sense. Am I in line? Am I on the right page here? Am I bringing this out eloquently enough? And so I want to recognize and honor my life, wife. I love her so much. But uh, this morning, though, um, let's get down a bit. Let's see what's going down for here. Um, this morning, I want to speak towards our encounters with the Lord. Um, whether you've encountered the Lord before, maybe you've never even had the Lord in your life before, or maybe you're just living for God already, you're having those constant moments with the Lord. Uh, but how many of us know that these encounters I'm talking about, they're not just here, right? You know? Our God is a personal God. They take place, there's the, these encounters that take place beyond the walls of this church. Um, and while we do encounter the Lord here corporately, that's what this place is here for, we ought to desire to encounter the Lord in our own individual lives as well. You see, the Lord has called us into daily personal encounters with Him because He desires a daily personal relationship with us. How many know friendships are like plants? You know, if you don't water them, they die. 
And so just like you're there for your friends, you make time for friends. Hey, you want to get together? Let's go have some coffee. Let's go get tear up some tacos. Uh, hey, what you doing, bro? How you been? You know, we got this men's chat going on, and these guys are just encouraging each other. They're checking in. Hey, how's it going, bro? Nah, I cut my hand. You know, I don't know. Brother Way, your hand's coming together, bro. See? You got that. But, you know, you got brothers that care about you. So just like you, you care about those in your life, the Lord cares about you, and he wants to know more about you. And that only comes by making time for him. Um, today, I want to look into those personal encounters, though, um, where these private times that we have with the Lord, you know, call it what you will. It's a daily office, a secret place, uh, your alone time with the Lord. Um, you see, it's in these specific times that we can grow. And today, I want us to get into the point where this, this, this becomes a mainstay in our life. And what I mean by mainstay is something that not, it's not always something to do consistently. Because how many of us know we can show up to church, we can show up to meet the Lord, but then we're not really in it. You know, we're just doing it out of habit, out of like hope that something's going to happen. But we want to get to this point with our encounters where it's not only something that we do consistently, but it's something that we come to realize that we cannot live life without. We need to have that dependency on the Lord. And so before we get into the real like meat, meat and potatoes of the message here today, man, I'm going to take the guy somewhere else with that kind of uh, analogy. Um, I want to take these next few moments to prepare ourselves. Um, it's something I'm going to do that's kind of maybe unorthodox. Um, you see, I've been in this season of my life uh, just becoming undone with the Lord. These last few months, uh, just going through different things and like just preparation. Um, I've been undone with the Lord and just become more and more vulnerable with uh, some of the weaknesses and uh, some of the things uh, in my heart and in my life that God wants to uh, shape and mold and call out of. And so throughout this season, I've been giving uh, practical tools and insight into developing as the man of God that he's called me to be, um, a man that wants more of God and less of me. And so some of these, uh, these tools that I've been given, um, and some of you guys are familiar with this, uh, with this author, uh, is with uh, Pete Scazzaro and Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. Uh, so some of you have uh, heard of this uh, author. Some of you have read some of his books. If you haven't, I highly encourage you to uh, check out these books in your personal time. We even have our, our discipleship course starting this week. And so with that, um, I want to take a page out of that and invite you to join me in these next few moments right here. Um, so let's just go ahead and close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Um, and first off, start by sitting straight, you know. Sometimes we get comfortable and we're just like, you know, hunched over. It's like there's, there's something different about sitting up straight and, you know, closing your eyes. You know, your lungs can breathe in. You can be fresh. And so I invite you to join me here. And some of you guys may be looking left and right. But I encourage you guys here. This is something very practical. And this is, this is called a breath prayer. And so first, let's, let's close our eyes. Let's sit up straight and let's take some nice, slow, deep breaths. So in through your nose and out through your mouth. Do another one in. And first off here, you know, call, call him the Lord by who you call him. You call him Lord, Father, Jesus. Just one word, just so you can focus on him. Not anyone else around you, not anything going on, not thinking about what your plans are, but just start by saying who you call God. And just take another deep breath in, deep breath out. Now you see, as you guys keep taking those deep breaths in and out, I want you to meditate on this. As you breathe in, you're saying in your spirit, Holy Spirit, come in. Just like you're taking oxygen just so your lungs can function, you could be alive. Every breath in, you're asking the Holy Spirit to come in. And as you breathe out, that's the carbon dioxide. But it's not only that, 
but it's everything that's not of him come out. So breathe that out. And, and each breath you in, the Lord wants to bring you an awareness. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you right now. And each breath in, that's empowerment. That's the Holy Spirit beginning to move. And just that's an invitation that the Lord has given you. And as you breathe out, you're releasing those things one by one. Breathe out anger. Bring out hurt. Bring out pain, suffering, anxiety, stresses, doubts. You guys can open your eyes now, and I thank you guys for participating. Or if you didn't participate, that's fine as well. I thank you for observing, because I know this is, again, unorthodox here. And so what this is, is this is something I encourage you to do in your personal times as you get close to the Lord, as you spend time with Him. Sometimes we can get really distracted with the hustle and bustle of life. And sometimes we need those deep breaths in and out just to focus and center ourselves with it. How many know we can get distracted, right? And so, you see, we find so much within the presence of the Lord that when we spend consistent time with Him. That's the key word. Someone say consistent. Uh, time in our daily lives. You see, a lot of us here spend time with Him at the beginning of our days. That's usually the, uh, the go-to, and that's great. I encourage you to do so. Um, you can get away from the hustle and bustle before you got to go to work, before you got to run your errands, before you got everything that the day holds ahead of you, before you got to get your kids up, take care of them, make them breakfast, whatever like that. And so there's an invitation this morning, though, an invitation from our Father to be with Jesus in the morning, and not just the morning, though, but in the middle of our days and the end of our days. It goes beyond just a few moments in the morning here. Because how many know there's things that happen during the middle of our days as well? You can start off on the right note, and then a curveball goes your way. Something just irritates you and stresses you out. You get into a fight. You get something just dropped on your plate last minute. And so I encourage you, the Father is inviting you to go beyond the morning time, beyond the regular, and get more and more intimate with Him. You see, there's those moments that we need to recenter ourselves to his voice, his heart, and his leading for our lives. Because it's his will that is better for us, his will that is perfect. And so this morning, I want to look into the importance of abiding in the presence of God. Uh, my message is entitled, In the Quiet. Uh, if you're taking notes here, it's also on the Bible app. And so we want to look at abiding in the presence of God and also what can happen when we stray from the presence of God for too long or we start going by our own ambitions. And so today we're studying Jonah, uh, actually a few different verses, but we're going to start here in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And so it'll be on the screen in a few moments here. And uh, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And so Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, starts off by saying this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. In verse 4, it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Someone say great wind. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Amen. And so, in this portion of Scripture, we see the prophet Jonah uh, in this notable story about the Old Testament. Maybe you guys, some of you guys even know the story from Sunday school. And so, we're going to look at things a little bit differently this morning here. But Jonah has been given a task. Someone say a task. 
I'm going to keep throwing out these words to make sure I catch you guys right there. Because how many know malls open, nobody's shopping. You guys thinking about Arby's or something like that. So I'm going to keep you guys engaged here. And so Jonah has been tasked with going out to the city of Nineveh, which at this point was the largest city in the world at the time, which is uh, pretty crazy to think in retrospect now compared to how much we've grown as a society. Uh, but he was called to go to Nineveh and call the people to repentance. Uh, one commentary by David Yusick said, um, the, the, way, the task that he was given was kind of like asking a Jewish man in World War II era to go to Germany and ask people of repentance. Think about that if you know your history, about what was going on during World War II, of course, the Holocaust and everything like that, and how much of a daunting task that seems to be. And so Jonah was someone that would hear from the Lord. Of course, he's called a prophet. He's a recognized prophet in the Bible. And he had served the Lord up until this point. But now suddenly, he becomes reluctant as things get challenging. He's directed to do something he's not coming under as you see right here. Now, it's not clear why exactly he doesn't want to go to Nineveh and call the city to repentance, uh, but we are going to get into that in just a few, little bit, in a few moments here. But this simple act of disobedience and resistance speaks volumes to how we can be as believers at times. Some say, as I can be. You see, there's times and seasons in our lives where in our quiet times with the Lord that he calls on us to challenging places, whether that's to move on from unresolved conflict with someone in your life, to deal with an ongoing personal struggle that you've been facing, or to minister to someone you know that needs to know about the Lord, or to deal with the issues with your past, that some, that things that are hold, you're holding on to that are holding you back from growing as a believer. A lot of times... We can turn into Jonah, whether rather than dealing with these issues, rather than taking on the challenges of growth, we turn a deaf ear to it. We turn a deaf ear and we run away from it. You see, there's a lot more to what's going on here than meets the eye. It's not just a simple act of disobedience. Uh, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves just yet. Uh, but for now, we need to recognize those times that I'm talking about. Those are the times we run to Tarshish. Um, Jonah 1.3, as we go back here, says that Jonah got on the one-way ticket heading as far away as Nineveh as he possibly could, away from the Lord. And that's the city of Tarshish. And so that area is what we call today the coast of Spain. Uh, so you think about that. Uh, Jonah, you know, it was a, just a prosperous and beautiful city. And Jonah thought he could really outrun God. He really thought he could do that um, and avoid dealing with the city of Nineveh by getting somewhere just nice, comfortable, and complacent. Jonah felt it's too hard to serve God right here in Nineveh. This is too much. I don't want to deal with this. I'm not ready for this. He wanted to go somewhere to serve God where he felt comfortable. Somewhere to serve God that worked for him. At the same time, we can also be those ones that say, God, it's too much for me to deal with. I don't want to give this up right now. I don't want to deal with that person right now. I don't want to handle what happened in my past. I don't want to forgive that person. I don't want to take on this ministry. I don't want to be here. This is too much. I'm going to serve you in my way. Hmm. I don't even know what to say to that person. I don't even know how to forgive them. I don't know how to even work this out. It, I, this is just too much for me. I, I don't want to talk about this right now. You see, we put ourselves in a place of Tarshish. A, a nice, beautiful place where we're living for God without addressing the underlying issues of our heart, without un addressing the underlying conditions of our heart. 
and without listening to the true will of God in our lives. And so as we continue into the book of Jonah, he's convinced himself that he's got away from what he probably thought was a ridiculous call of God. You know, he's like, to heck with God. I know better. I understand you better. Like, your will for it. You're just speaking foolishness. So he paid for his ticket to Tarshish. You know, he's cruising down for a nice Spanish vacation. And he's going down to the bottom deck, as you see here in the next few verses. He's going to take a little siesta right now and, and go to sleep. But as all that unfolds, above the waters, a mighty storm starts brewing. You know, we see the Lord, our God, is not only, we see him first as someone that calmed the storm, as he uh, did in the form of Jesus Christ, where he caused the, the seas to be still in that just act of God. But the Lord is also the one that can stir up the water. Someone say stir up the water. And so the scriptures go on to say how these sailors panicked. They freaked out as the seas were getting rougher and the winds got stronger. Um, and they were just doing everything they could to survive and try to figure out what do we got to do. All of this while Jonah is just dreaming away. He's having the snooze of our life. I mean, no, we can be those sleeping Christians too. We can be so numb and deaf to what's going on. What God is trying to reveal to our hearts, the conditions. Hey, brother, hey, son, you need to, you need to deal with this. You have a lot of anger. Daughter, you need to deal with this. You have unforgiveness. You have anxiety that you're dealing with. But all the while, we convince ourselves, we lull ourselves into the place where it's, you know, I'm fine to it. Like, I'm just going to avoid that part of me. I can serve you, God, but I'm not ready to talk about that. I'm not ready to deal with that. And so, as we continue on here, Jonah lured himself into this false sense of security and peace. He resisted the call of God in his life and went about his own way. He leaned on his own understanding and he did what he felt was best. But the storm that was brought forth reminded him what needed to be done. Because how many know we can't run from God? We truly can't run from God. Even as far as we feel at times, a lot of this is, those farness is the things that we put on ourselves. Even as we far, the Lord, the Lord always has us in his sight. We call him an, an omnipotent God. He's an all-seeing God, omniscient God. He can not only see you anywhere, but he also knows your every thought and everything in your heart. And so... When it comes to these storms at times, these storms come in different ways in seasons of our lives, whether it's something external or internal. You can find yourself argumentative. You can find yourself at ends with people around you. You can find yourself pushing those that care away from you in these, in these storms. You can end your, find yourself ending in a major event in your life. Something tragic happens in your life. Um, you can harbor depression, or you can go further down to the depths of anger, rage, or bitterness. These are all the kind of storms that we can face in our lives. And there's much more beyond the storms I'm naming here. They come to you in your specific way. But these storms often serve as a way to redirect us back to the Lord, as a way to get our attention to let us know that something in our lives is not in order. We must be truly sensitive to these times in our lives. Uh, we're going to get back into the scriptures right now. In uh, verses 11 through 17, I'm going to switch it up to the, the new, new International Version, the NIV. And so we're getting back into the story here, verses 11 through 17. As the sailors had come to realize Jonah was the reason for this storm coming forth, they, they cast the lots and they discover it fell on Jonah. And so verse 11 starts off here. It says, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea, cal the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it'll become, it'll become calm. 
I know it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. Have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And so you get to this point here, if you really take a closer look at what's going on here, we can think Jonah was being noble and just like giving up his life and sacrificing. He's being like a superhero like we see in a Marvel movie. But what he was really doing, if you really realize it, he's been running all this time away from the will of God for his life to call the city of Nineveh to repentance. And what he's really doing here is like, I'd rather be dead than do that. So throw me overboard and at least I'll be dead. I won't have to do it anymore. So what looks like an act of bravery is an act of cowardice. So not everything is as meets the eye as you study these scriptures. So after this, though, um, in the next chapter, um, in verse uh, two or chapter two, uh, we're not going to get into the whole meat of it. But basically, what's going on here in chapter two is uh, Jonah doesn't really repent, though, for turning from the will of God. All he does is just thanks God for rescuing him. You know, sometimes as we get out of these storms in our lives, uh, we can be really mute to what God's trying to do as He's speaking to us in this, and and we can be like this: just God, hey, thanks for giving me an order but not really understanding what's going on, what God's trying to reveal to us in the middle of all those kind of storms that we're facing. Uh, it's a humbling experience, honestly, because we, we have to know we truly can't do life without God. And it's these moments, these storms in our lives that show us that. You deal with storms with your life, it is just, just a rough, rough life. I'm not saying there's not prosperous and blessed non-believers, but it's a lot harder when you don't have God in your life. And it's even more humbling for Jonah right here because as you get to the end of uh, chapter 2, Jonah doesn't just come out of the belly of the fish. He gets vomited out of the fish. And so whatever that fish was having for lunch the last few days, having for dinner, he came out with all that as well. So that is a humbling way to get out of the storm here. Uh, How many of you guys have been through those humble ways, getting out of situations? You've had to eat some humble pie. You've had to eat some crow. Uh, So just like that, Jonah had to come out in the most humble way out of his situation. And so what you must come to realize that the only reason that Jonah started praying and started getting back in touch with God was because he was forced to. He didn't do it on his own. He found himself in a situation. He found himself in a storm. He found himself in the belly of a fish, and he was forced to spend that quiet time, that time with the Lord. He was in a perilous and an uncertain place, and he realized that he needed to call out to the Father to get back in order. We as believers need to recognize this. We shouldn't be just spending time with the Lord because things are not going our way. You know, we can't play God like Monopoly and treat him like a get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, you see, we have to have a, live for a dependent, reverent relationship with the Lord, not a circumstantial one, not a seasonal relationship. We don't take vacations with the Lord. We live with the Lord every day of our lives. In good seasons and in bad, God is just not a genie in the bottle that we can call to to, to save us. He is that, but he's not only that. And so what we have to see here is that I mentioned earlier that there's more to meet the eye as far as Jonah goes, why he didn't want to go to the city of Nineveh. 
Now, part of us, part of what you must realize here is that we can think Jonah was just afraid to. You know, I mentioned that analogy about it being like a, a Jewish man going to call the Germans to repentance during World War II. And while there may have been some of the fear within his heart, the real reason that Jonah refused to minister to them was he felt that they were unworthy of God's forgiveness and mercy. He hated the city of Nineveh. He held bitterness in his heart against them. Um, as we continue on here in Jonah chapter 4, you're going to see just a bit of that. So Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. It, and this portion of scripture takes place after uh, the people of Nineveh have come to repentance. Um, even after what Jonah brings was like a shallow, bare minimum word. Um, he mentions that in Jonah 3, 4, and it's on the screen, but I'll read it to you here. It says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Imagine if I came to you and just said that up here. That, that was my entire message. 40 more days in Las Vegas will be overthrown. And I just left. You, do I, do, am I mentioning salvation? Am I re imagining repentance? Or, or am I preaching repentance? Am I preaching about sin? I'm giving the bare minimum. And so that's what Jonah's doing. He obeyed the will of God of his, to his life, but in the bare minimum fashion. He just did the... the the essentials. I mean, we go like that at work sometimes. We're just doing the bare minimum to get our paycheck. But I know none of you all do that. Y'all are great workers. Y'all got good work ethic. Y'all are good Christians. I know that. Amen. So that's what Jonah's doing here with the will of God. He's doing the bare minimum here. But as we get into chapter 4, though, right here, um, we see really what's going on in his heart. And how he did that. He gave that word just in obedience to the Lord, but he did it out of obligation or reluctance. Um, verse 1 in chapter 4 says, But to Jonah, this seems very wrong. And he became angry. Someone say he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious God and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied in verse 4, Is it right for you to be angry? And the message version brings it even more into further perspective. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God, God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. And God said, what do you have to be angry about? Now, in either version of this scripture, Jonah doesn't respond to that question at the end, where what do you have to be angry about? However, we can see that even in the midst of Jonah attempting to serve the Lord to follow his will for his life, Jonah still dealt with that anger and bitterness in his heart. While we can still be fearful or angful or fearful or anxious about what's revealed to us in our quiet time of the Lord. We can also be angry and frustrated with what's revealed to us as we still ourselves here. We can still serve God, but we're operating under like false pretenses. We're we're operating under a false self. You know, maybe even some of us were getting a little bit mad as I asked you guys to close your eyes and take a few breaths in earlier. If we can be honest, it's okay. Some of you might be thinking, why are we doing this? This is weird. Everyone's around me. My kids are right here. I don't want to do this. This is stupid. What am I supposed to get out of this? Am I a yogi now? <laughs> Namaste. I don't know. 
But you see, our flesh is often resistant to the will of God in our lives, the call of God. And we're often even resistant to his desire to get closer to us. To steal ourselves is a real discipline, I tell you that. It really is. To have that daily personal relationship with him, it takes a lot of us because we're not used to that. We're not used to that kind of stillness and to take our mind off everything. And I can tell you this, maybe you're not doing this right now. Maybe it's hit or miss here and there. Uh, maybe you haven't done it in a long time. But I tell you this, as you lean into the awkward beginnings and press in to make time with our Father, there's so much in those moments that we share with Him that we realize at those times. And you see, as we close this morning here, um, I'm bringing just a simple and effective word, nothing over the top here. And um, I'll ask the worship team to even join me up here as I wrap up uh, this morning. Let today be a reminder of the value and importance of making consistent, someone say consistent, quality, someone say quality, time with our Father and accepting the invitations with Him beyond where we've compartmentalized or where we've boxed God in. Um, Jesus is such a gentleman to us. He really is. Jesus doesn't force Himself on us. He doesn't force us to make time. He doesn't, you know, take away everything just to get a hold of you, but... Jesus just invites us to let them into your hearts and open up about the things that have affected us. He also challenges us in ways that we feel may, may, we feel are kind of out of our comfort zone. And he does that for good reason. And sometimes we feel like those things may hurt us or it's just too much of us. And we feel like we're going to go through pain just doing the things that God's called us to do. But the, in the end, it's going to shape us. And we're going to grow in ways that we couldn't have on our own. And it's today, as uh, we bow our heads right here and close our eyes here, it's just one of those other moments.